0: Good morning, church. For those uh, visiting for the first time, those online, uh, my name is John. I'm the uh, lead pastor of the Gathering Place Church. Are you guys ready for the word? Yeah. Word of God. You guys hungry? Yeah. All right. So here we go. Last week, I taught a message called, Who Do You Think You Are? And we, <clears throat> amen. Thank you. And um, I had teenagers on my heart, primarily, though it applied to everybody, but as a teenager, knowing who you are, that's a real battle zone. Middle school, high school is tough stuff. Um, today, we're going go to uh, go back into that, but I'm going to hit it from a specific angle. Before we do that, I want us to review last week. All right. Who do you think you are? There are four mirrors that I talked about last week where you can look at your reflection in these mirrors to find out who you are. The first one is the social media mirror. This mirror is a nightmare, right? What do you see in this mirror, your reflection? What's your reflection look like in that mirror? It's all cracked up, it's all cracked up right? The social media mirror, it will, will tear you down. It will not build you up. It will not make you feel great about yourself. It'll make you feel worse about yourself because this is not reality. And We looked at that last week. So first, the social media mirror. Everybody say, eh. All right. Secondly is others mirror. That is as you uh, are born, everybody in your house is a mirror and you see your reflection, your worth, the way they speak to you, the way they talk to you, their attitudes, their gestures, their actions. Right. And you also have positive things, but this mirror also is imperfect. Francisco, what's your reflection look like in the others mirror? He's trying to, he's trying to make it look better, but he can't help it. Right? The other's mirrors is also severely damaged because people are damaged and so they're not going to give you an accurate perception of yourself no matter how hard they try. And then there is the self mirror, which is a compilation of other's mirrors, social media mirrors, and your own mirror. You do the best you can to tell yourself that you're wonderful. You look at your reflection in this mirror, sweetheart, and what do you see? earth that gives you the accurate representation of who you are, and that is the God mirror. The God mirror is the only mirror that is perfectly flawless. And when you look into that mirror, uh, you see that you are made in the image of God. Now, the mirror, the Bible says that the mirror of God is the word of God right? Because our perceptions of God and how he perceives us are also cracked because that's our perception. You have to look into the word of God to find God's perception of you. And the more you do that, the healthier you are going to be. The social media mirror is, uh, I wish I could say it in the pulpit, C-R-A-P. Maybe some of you can say that for me. The social media mirror is, did I just lead you into saying that? Okay. The other's mirror also is the same. All right. It imperfect. And the self-mirror. What does, what does the social media mirror, the others mirror, and the self-mirror spell? What does SOS stand for? Save our souls. And that is what I'm talking about last week and today. We're going to continue talking about saving our souls from these sources of our self-worth, our self-esteem, because... This isn't a humanistic teaching. This isn't a self-help. That's not what this is at all. The way you see yourself is the way you will behave yourself. The way you relate to people, the way you relate to God, the way you relate to obstacles in your face, in your way, the way you see yourself. If you think you're a loser, you will act like a loser. If you feel you're inferior, you'll behave inferior. But if you believe... What the Bible says about you, that you are a well-loved child of God. Bam, watch out. When you truly believe that, the psalmist says, how fearfully and wonderfully I am made, and this phrase I love, my soul knows that very well. Does your soul yet know very well that you are a well-loved child of God? Okay, I work on that daily because we are a fallen creature. We are fallen creatures. We have this committee that lives in our head that are self-criticizing all the time. You know, you like the other day, I dropped I was trying to get into my car and I was thinking you better set that down or you're going to drop some of the groceries like no, I can do it. And then of course you drop the eggs and they break on the ground and you say to yourself you are an idiot, right? However, if you saw the person next to you trying to do that a stranger and they drop the eggs in the ground, would you say? you're an idiot. Would we say that? What is this? Why do we curse ourselves, but we bless everybody else, right? We give everybody such grace and we give ourselves condemnation. That's self-hatred. You cannot find it in the Bible. Unless God reveals who you really are and a reflection of his glory. And then you see, oh my gosh, I really do need a savior. Then he doesn't do that to you again, right? Because now you know, okay. I need Jesus, you receive Christ, and now you become a son or daughter of God. Now he starts treating you like a son or a daughter who he is restoring back into the image of his son. By the way, that was the whole gospel right there. All right, so today, I'm not gonna talk about the mirrors that you look into, you for you. Today, I'm gonna hit this from a completely different angle, and I'm gonna ask you another question. And this question does not, your answer to this question will not determine how you behave in life. Your answer to this question is going to uh, help you discern how you are going to help your brother and sister behave in this life. This is going to be an others-centered message, not a self-centered message. We're going to get outside of ourselves today and think about somebody other than ourselves. Can I hear an amen? amen? Okay, thinking about yourself isn't bad. The Bible says not to think uh, less of yourself. It just says, think of yourself less. The Bible says that the whole gospel, Jesus said the whole gospel is love God and your neighbor as you love yourself. You're supposed to love yourself. I was talking to, I was talking to you on the way out yet last week. I love what you said. She said, you know, I've always understood I'm supposed to love myself. When I was a little girl. What did you, what did you do when you were a little girl? Wait, 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 wait! People online have to hear too.
1: And in art class, I had this big poster folder thing, and on the front of it, I made a big heart, and in the middle of it, I said, I wrote, "I love me," and then I put a whole bunch of "I love me" all over it, and I brought it home and showed my mom. I was real proud of it. She goes, "Come here and sit down. You do not say that you love yourself. That is vain. You let other people tell you." And they go, "But, but why?" I. I do love myself. Why, why should I not love myself? And she couldn't answer me, but.
0: <laughs> Hallelujah. How powerful was that? Go ahead. Give her a clap. Don't, don't make her sit there and think that that wasn't awesome. You see, if you come to the gathering place church, it's safer online. By the way, if you come to the gathering place church, I might just point you out and make you preach when you had no intention of preaching. I love that. That's so good. Okay. But the question I'm going to ask you today is this, who do you think others are? All sorts of stuff's going on in your head right now, huh? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's all, it's a a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the, here's the truth. The way you see people is the way you will treat people. (laughs) <laughs> Ron didn't say an amen. He said an oh me. <laughs> the way we treat, see people is the way we will treat people. Here's the truth. You ready, family of God? We are each other's, others' mirrors. You are other people's, others' mirror. You are helping people see themselves either in a way that's going to encourage them or discourage them. And we have an obligation to one another as the body of Christ and to the world that God is trying to save. We have an obligation as children of God to be God mirrors for everybody else. We are not to be condemning the world. The Bible says God did not send his son into the world. By the way, this is John 3 17. I know you can quote John 3.16, which is, come on. Uh, 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 come on. You can do better than that. God so loved the world, He sent His only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, the very next verse says this, and I think he put it in for the church because we can be so self-righteous once you're saved for God did not send his son or his church into the world to condemn it, but that through him, it might be saved. Oh, there's a revelation for someone right there. Oh, that, that came out of your mouth, didn't it? Oh, <laughs> I never knew that. I'm going to stop condemning people. No, I know that's not you. Our goal is this, to see others as God sees them, to say about others what God says about them, and to treat others the way God treats them. That is our assignment as children of God on the earth. We're supposed to be the salt and light of the world, not the acid and, and, uh, throwing shade. That is not who we are. The world has no hope. If we are those kind of people, who is the light of the world? Huh? Yes, that's right. Jesus said, he's the light of the world. Then he turned to his disciples and said, and you are the light of the world. Are you light in people's lives? Or are you darkness? The way you see them is the way you will treat them. The way you see them, what you say to them, and how you treat them is the way you are communicating to them their worth and their value. Can I hear an amen yet? But yes. well, this is dang hard, isn't it? Because <laughs> we are fallen and the world is fallen. People are broken and hurt people hurt people. So this is an upstream battle. This takes... Intentional intentionality. I mean, the world is harsh, man. I mean, here's a challenge for you. Here's a challenge for you. This is just proof, in case you need any more evidence that the world is a negative place. I challenge you to go 24 hours without thinking one negative thought about another. Okay, man. All right. You just you get crucify. All right, and, and, and okay, for some of you, like, like Christian, this um, courageous man who, by the way, last week, defined himself as a what? Say it out loud. Warrior. He's a warrior. He's not a weakling. He's a warrior. He re-identified himself last week, which was awesome. Okay, warrior, you're taking the challenge you will not think about, uh, even just think about, okay, Let, here's another challenge. Don't say anything negative about another human being to them, or to others about them for the next 24 hours. Okay. If you think it and it's about to come out, stop. You're going to fail. All right. You, you, you are a powerful person. I don't care how old or young you are. Where you come from, none of that matters. You are created in the image of God, and you are powerful. Don't think you're not powerful. The way you see people, the way you speak to people, and the way you treat people affects them. It influences everybody in your life. And the more authority you have, the more responsibility you have. A parent speaking to a child is more powerful than anybody else. A pastor speaking to, looking at with condemnation or judgment or disappointment or disapproval. A boss. A coach. We are powerful people. And you can even say, well, you know, I'm not that powerful. You would be amazed at how your words. I mean, you can think, I can think. when When I was doing this, I was thinking this thought came to my mind. When I was in second grade, my second grade school teacher came home to our house for lunch. We had corned beef on toast. And after lunch, I came back to school and she came around to the back of my desk. She said, I really enjoyed going to your house for lunch today. I don't know why, that just made me feel like we had a connection, (laughs) all right? I mean, I, I am special. It's amazing how powerful our words, our gesture, our look, our attitudes are to those around us. You and I are called by God to be sources of what I call honor you and i can't change the whole world to be a place of honor but we are responsible family of god to do everything we can to do our part to make our church a place of honor a culture of honor your homes a culture of honor your workplace a culture of honor you're on a sports team a culture of honor I mean, i my kids have, you know, I got six kids and they've all gone through sports programs. I have watched entire teams just implode because someone starts to complain about the coach. Somebody else jumps in and then they complain about something, especially in the girls volleyball team, right? That gets going. I mean, like the coach at the beginning of the year says no drama on this team, right? You start drama. You're on the bench because they know that kind of drama can literally rip a team apart. You need cohesion. You need unity. You need oneness of heart and mind to knock the ball out of the park. How many of you have ever been part of a church where this just starts to spread like cancer? Just right. And, and then there's factions and that. anybody been a part of a church like that? Oh, it is. It, it, it's hell on earth. Because the church is supposed to be a place of heaven on earth. And one of the ways that a church is heaven on earth is when it has a culture of honor. Why is this so powerful? Because you and I were made with honor. Look at this the scripture says. The psalmist says, yet you made them, that's us, the only a little lower than God. And crowned them with glory and honor. That's why when you are dishonored by somebody... You feel it to the core of your identity. That's why you like to gravitate to people that are honoring, that are encouraging, that are affirming. Not that they won't tell you the truth about you when it's important, but they do it with hope. They don't want to hurt you. But, the, but, but it all comes down to the motivation. Speak the truth in love. Because we are to build one another up. Everybody say, see, say, do. do. Come on, See, see, say, do. Again, come on, see, say, do. One more time, see, say, do. These are the three ways that you influence people. How you see them, what you say to them, and what you do to and for them. This is how you will be a God mirror to those around you. Now I'm going to dive into say Do in just a second, but I'm going to give you a quick broad brush overview of what it looks like to dishonor and to honor. Okay, here's just some good takeaways for you. What's dishonoring look like? Uh, being ignored. Psychologists say this is the greatest insult you can give to somebody. Ghost them, as they say now. On, on, right. You just ignore them. It is such an insult. You're not even worth my attention, is what that says. Don't listen to them. Misunderstand them. That means you don't see me being called names. That means you don't believe in me. You're identifying. You're tagging me with a a, a pejorative name. Being disobeyed, disobeyed, being disobeyed. If you are an authority is very dishonoring. It's like, screw you. I'm not going to follow you. You idiot. Right? And, and, and the person that's, that's trying to lead has an incredible weight of responsibility and stewardship. And you're trying to make decisions and you're trying to do what's best for everybody else, I hope, as long as if you're not an abusive leader, a good leader. And people behind you are arguing and bickering and, and not, not agreeing with you and pulling you back. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm just trying, right? It's, so, it's dishonoring to a leader not to follow them make their job easier. The Bible says this, that we'd obey our spiritual leaders so that their job is a joy and not a burden. You guys want a happy pastor or a mad pastor? What do you want? All right. Being treated unfairly, if you were under authority, is incredibly dishonoring. Treating people like dirt, not paying them a fair wage, right? Not appreciating their boundaries. is dishonoring. Um, not having basic needs met. That's dehumanizing, Not being protected. You don't value me. You weren't there for me when I needed you. You didn't protect me. And so, but today, listen, this is real important right here. Today is not about you thinking about what you've been doing, about how you have been dishonored. Today's not about you. Remember? Today's about you being a God mirror for others. You need to interpret what I'm doing right now about how you have dishonored others and stop it. Everybody say this is about others. others. Online. This is about others. Okay. Not about me today. This is about others. Okay. So what does it look like, you know, to be honored? Well, then you just reverse these. Okay. Like give others your undivided attention. Instead of you can keep that, uh, you can keep that list up there so they can see that I'm doing the reverse of these now. Being ignored, not listened to. you, You do the opposite. Like one time I went bullying and it's, I, I'll never forget this. I'm doing 35, oh, 35 years of counseling. I know how this goes into a little child and they'll probably be with him for the rest of his life. Unless somebody can get it out. He was like about a seven year old boy and he bowled a strike. He was beside himself, dancing around, jumping on him. And he turned and he, and he was with his mom. It was just he and his mom. Mommy, mommy, I've got a strike. Mommy, mommy. And what was she doing? She was on her phone. totally missed it. And you would think that after he got her attention, that she would get off her phone and say, Oh my gosh, you did. That's amazing. No, she didn't do that. She just ignored him. Well, and I saw his whole countenance just drop. (laughs) Everybody say "Hideous." hideous. Okay. Now this can be about you. Okay. If you have been hideous, own it and say, I don't want to be hideous anymore. Right? All right. When somebody's talking to you, put your dang phone down and look them in the eyeballs. That means I see you. You're important to me. I've never messed up in this particular area. I am perfect when it comes to this, except for one time. I remember when Hope decided she's not going out on dates with me anymore. My wife named Hope. Those you don't know her. Because we'd go out to the, you know, restaurants all have TVs now. And I would constantly be watching sports. Almost her. I will never do that again. When I'm out with you, I am with you. And so I would go out to the restaurants and turn my back to the TVs. Well, this one time, <laughs> as my back to the TVs, wasn't my fault. Yeah. Sam, it was an accident. I could see the football game and the reflection of the, of the window <laughs> behind her, which was great because it looked like I was looking at her. But all, I, all the guys are clapping, yeah, good one. No, bad one. Because I was playing it perfectly until the ball was intercepted in the dang end zone. And I'm sitting there, and I, she thinks I'm you know, connecting with her. But I'm like, if you just shift your eyes just slightly that direction, you can like look at her in the game at the same time. And I had it. It was so good. And I went, I went oh, man. totally busted. There was nothing in our conversation that would warrant that kind of a response. <laughs> and she turns around and she sees it. And that was a bad day in our marriage. <laughs> say, see, si, say, si, say, do. Okay. Let's look at see, say, do real quick. We're going to hit these three. Number one, what you see, how you see others is how you will treat them. See what others don't see in individuals. Okay? Come on. Become a detective. See in others what others don't see in individuals. We're going to be like God, right? That's what He's doing with you. See what they don't see in themselves. Believe in people more than they believe in themselves. Jesus said this to His disciples. Jesus said to them. Well, let me set this up real quick. Jesus goes into Samaria. Many of you know the story. Some of you don't. It's in the Bible. John chapter four, Jesus goes into Samaria. Jews don't go to Samaria because Samaria is a spiritually, culturally polluted place in the mind of a Jew at that time in the first century. Remember the way you see people is the way you will treat people. So this people group, whatever people group that you detest, this is them. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So get the Samaritans in your mind right now. Think politically. Okay. Okay. Ah, now, now I helped you, okay? I'm helping you apply it to yourself. He goes into their camp, and he's talking to a woman at noon, just Jesus and a woman. Jewish men don't talk to, to women in public, you know, by themselves privately, and, and there's a whole story behind that. Okay, She is an undesirable woman. Jesus goes there. The disciples go to get some food. They come back to feed the Messiah, and they find him talking to this woman, and they are a little bit disturbed. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This isn't about cultures. This isn't about politics. This isn't about male, female or anything else. This is about people. We are changing our world one life at a time. Every life on earth matters to God. Might not matter to you, but it needs to because it matters to God. God mirrors, right? Right? and to finish his work. Do do you not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Everybody say, lift up your eyes. He's talking about your God eyes, your spiritual eyes. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Don't look at the person's behavior on the surface. Look at the fields. They are ready for harvest. This is good preaching, Noah. Come on, man. Give me an amen. Come Amen. He gave me an amen. I didn't even solicit it. All right. The Jews saw an undesirable Samaritan woman. Watch this. Jesus saw the first New Testament evangelist. The Jews saw a polluted Samaritan people group. Jesus saw his future church. Years after Jesus had gone to all the world and preach the gospel to everybody that his first apostles are still only preaching the gospel to jews in their mind their cultural mind when he said all the world all the world to them was all the jewish world it took to acts chapter 10 that god gives a vision to peter an open-eyed vision getting him to say to understand oh the gospel is also for non-jewish people wow Peter and the leaders of the church at that time just saw unclean Gentiles. Gentile means a non-Jewish person. Jesus saw the first fruits of the non-Jewish world. When the tax collector, uh, Zacchaeus, who was a wicked, evil thief of a tax collector, hated, the most hated man in the town. That's what everybody saw. Jesus saw an over-the-top giver. had lunch with him. One afternoon, one afternoon with Jesus, and he goes from being a thief to the biggest giver in the kingdom. When all these sinners came around Jesus, the hearing priests, the Pharisees said all these notorious, these famous sinners, not just sinners, the best sinners, came around Jesus. They saw notorious sinners. Jesus saw his lost sheep. You getting the point? And Nathaniel, when they said, we found the Messiah, where's he from? Um, Galilee, right? No, but they said Galilee. Nothing good comes out of, nothing good comes out of. Nazareth. Well, he, he was in Galilee sometimes too, though, right? Yeah, because he, he went there and then he came out of there, which means he came from there. Yeah, no, no, that's enough. All right. So. don't yawn while I'm preaching. That discourages me, Ben. Oh my gosh, man. I I think I'm doing all right. So, Hey, you know, yeah. Okay. All right. He said, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? All of Nathaniel's friends saw uh, a, a cynic. Jesus saw someone who Wanted it to be right and true and good and authentic. He said, ah, a Nazarite in whom there is no guile. Right, Nazarite? I need to read the Bible more. If you only see what's on the... If you only see, teenagers, I going to talk to you specifically. If you only see what's on the surface of a person's behavior... Now I'm going to talk to adults too. Especially those of parents. If you only see the outward behavior... Now I'm going to talk to those who have a job and you work with people. If you only see people's behavior on the surface, their quirky personality, their irritating behavior patterns. I'm going to talk to nurses that are working in hospitals right now. If you only see if you only see patients, coworkers. I'm going to talk to everybody everywhere all over the planet. If you all oh, if we if we judge one another based on our outward behaviors only, we are going to miss the gold that's inside of them. Every time you miss it. You know, um, Andrew Carnegie came from Scotland as a boy, and he built himself up to be the largest steel manufacturer in the United States of America. He had 43 millionaires working for him. And so he was interviewed, and they asked, "How how did you hire 43 millionaires to work for you? And he said, oh, they weren't millionaires when they started working for me. I made them millionaires. And they said, well, how do you do that? Well, they said developing people is the same. The developing people is the same as mining for gold. When you mine for gold, you have to remove tons of dirt to find the gold. He said it's the same with people. That's why we must not see people as they are. We must see them as they can be so they can become what they should be. Come on people of God. We've got to be we got to be a cut above. We're God people. If God just saw you as you are when he finds you and he doesn't see anything beyond that, you're done. You're done for. We've got to see people not as they are, but as they could be, and treat them as such. Viktor Frankl was where he realized they can take my body, they can take my food, they can take my clothes, they cannot take my mind. And he learned how to discipline his mind to live in a reality in his mind that was positive and not negative. And he became a powerful philosopher when he came out of the concentration camp. And this is what he said. If you treat people to a vision of themselves, if you apparently overrate them, you make them become what they are capable of becoming. You know, if we take people as they are, we make them worse. If we take them as they should be, we help them become what they can be. I mean no second grader, when they're asked, What do you want to be when they grow up? They don't say, A prostitute, a crack a crack addict, a home wrecker, addicted to gambling. No second grader's throwing that out there. Something happened along the way that broke them. And we as Christians are supposed to come along and help restore them by seeing them the way God does. Amen Noah. I need you to just take that up a notch though, okay? When I when I look over there, you got to help me. Can okay, Mary, where are you? You're my amen corner. Amen. amen. Uh, I uh, at, um, uh, Nazareth. Nazareth. Oh, great. She's back at Nazareth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I lost my greatest hallelujah corner because I forgot where Jesus came from. That's pretty bad. Okay. All right. What you say, everybody say what you say. Come on, I got to move this forward here a little bit. What you see and what you say. Now we did what you see, how you see people, and what you say. Your tongue is the most powerful weapon you have to honor or dishonor other human beings. This thing right here, woo, watch out, man. Double-edged sword with poison pff, spitting on people. Or the Bible says that the tongue of the righteous feeds many. You've got to decide whether your tongue is going to be a weapon of destruction or a tool of encouragement and healing for people. Look at the Bible says about the tongue. Proverbs 18 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Okay? I, okay, I'm going to talk to everybody, but especially teenagers right now. Listen. This, this, this. Way that, that young people are treating each other, especially through social media, and high school is just a war zone, man. Element of middle school is even worse. But it's just, I mean, you don't go to school to get built up by by your peers. There's just like cattiness and competition and egos, and everybody's insecure. Everybody's insecure, but they're acting like they're not, and then, then they're hurting themselves because they get torn down and then the bullying and all that. It's it's just. You have got to decide that you are going to be a light in the darkness. Place at work, sports team, in your home, wherever. You've got to be the one that has the courage and the conviction to stand up and be a voice of healing in the midst of darkness and destruction. The tongue is so powerful and you have one. So use it wisely. Look what the Bible says. James says this, likewise the tongue. Everybody say the tongue. tongue. is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You know, San Diego almost got burnt to the ground by a guy up in Ramona. Sorry, Mm. shout out to Ramona. He was mowing his lawn and it hit a rock and sparked. And that's how the fire started. And it raged all the way down the hill and burnt down half of San Diego. A little spark starts a great fire. That's your tongue. Look what the Bible says about Proverbs, in Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. A twisted person spreads rumors. A whispering gossip ruins friendships. How many of you have had a friendship that was destroyed by somebody else spreading a little spark, a little, a little untruth? Somebody's jealous of you or whatever it might be. Whatever their motivation is, out of their, off their tongue comes a lie. Or maybe it's true about you, but instead of covering, love covers a multitude of sins. Instead of covering your weaknesses, they expose them. Oh, is that happening today? Anywhere? America, they're trying to tear our nation to the ground by pointing out our faults. However, our, our goodness way outshines the sins that we have committed. And I think we're pretty darn good at, at identifying and, rec- and recognizing and rectifying our sins. I think we're committed to that. Some people aren't, but they're idiots. And they're on the fringe. Hey, hey, Jesus called some people some names, so I, you know, there are certain people you're allowed to do that to. That was that was But they're on the fringe, but they're using their tongues, they're using their words, they're using propaganda to destroy the greatest nation on earth. We've done great good all over the globe. It's the same with a family. It's the same with an individual. We can tear each other down or we can build each other up. Do not be in the devil's camp. Do not let your tongue be used by the enemy to hurt other human beings. It's your responsibility. A A gossip is devilish. It spreads like a cancer. It tears people down. It defames people's characters. It ruins their reputations. And it destroys relationships. And look what the Bible says in the book of Galatians. If you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. We are all vulnerable to this. Don't, don't sit there and think that you're not vulnerable to this. We all are. And let me tell you something. The propaganda. Um, Jesus says, take heed what you hear. You, the ears and the eyes are the gate of your heart. And don't think for a second that you can allow into your eyes and your ears things that are not godly and they will not shape and make you. That is deception beyond all deceptions. You have got to choose wisely. You don't just put poison in your physical body. And yet we allow ourselves to ingest poison into our eyes and our ears all day long. And it goes in and it shapes our hearts. We are so easily influenced and don't think you're not. Jesus says we are. He said, guard your heart with all diligence. Out of your heart flows your life. The boundaries of your life, that word actually means your life will consist of what's in your heart. Out of your heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. And you literally create your worlds by by your heart. I'll give you an example. My sister was a psychologist who was a psychology professor and she did an experiment with their class. She told them there's a substitute teacher coming in tomorrow and he's not any good. I'm sorry. He's all I could get. He's not a very nice person. I'm sorry, but it's the best I could do. Okay. The second class came in and she said, I have a substitute teacher tomorrow. He's a great guy. He's a really good teacher. I really like him. I couldn't give you somebody better. Okay. A couple days later, She gave a survey, or she gave a questionnaire out to the class. What did you think about the substitute teacher? And you know what happened, don't you? Right? The first class just dog-piled him. The second class thought he hung the moon. It was all off of the perception that was created in their minds by someone they trust, their, their professor, with the words that she used, they prejudged, prejudice. They prejudged a person they've never met before because somebody told them something. This is when I do marriage counseling. I've offended some spouses because they tell me their story and it sounds really bad and your husband's just a complete, hard-hearted, uncaring, or your, your wife is just a nag. She doesn't appreciate you. And I said, I've heard your side. I need to hear the other side. What do you mean you need to hear the other side? I've told you. Yeah, I know, but. You hear the other side, you're like, oh, that's an important piece of information I didn't get from your spouse. There's the defense lawyer is right cross ex- or examining. And it's like, oh man, they're innocent. Oh my gosh. That prosecutor's evil. Then the prosecutor gets up and gives some new information. Oh, you've done this to 14 other people, right? <laughs> Aha. We're all subject To being prejudiced based on the information we allow ourselves to ingest. That's why the book of Ephesians says don't use foul or abusive or language that destroys or or tears down. Don't do it. Let everything, everybody say everything. You say be good and helpful so that your words, everybody say words. So your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Everyone needs encouragement. Look at this. Good example of this. When Simon Peter saw it, that Jesus multiplied these fish supernaturally, Luke chapter 5, verse 8, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. How many of you believe that, that Peter was a sinful man? Okay, it's not a trick question. I'm sorry. Okay, let's start from the beginning of the gospel. Everybody is a sinner. Okay, how many of you believe that Peter was a sinful man? Okay, and he was. And when he saw the glory of Jesus, it reflected the God mirror. Remember, I told you the first time you see God, it reflects on you, like, ah, right? I'm worse than I thought. Yeah. But what does Jesus do? And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus didn't just see a sinner, he saw an apostle. Yeah. Come on. Jesus doesn't see you as you are. He sees you as you're going to be. He that began a good work in you is going to continue that good work under construction. Some of you are just a big old sinkhole in the middle of the road right now. But he sees someone that's going to look just like his son. We need to be that to other people. I'm going to close up with this, the last one, do. Everybody say do. What you see, what you say, and what you do will determine whether you're the salt and light of the world or not. It will determine whether you are a God mirror for other people. What you see, what you say, and what you do. Jesus says this, your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate those who hate you. However, everybody say "However." however. Okay, here comes the turning point for the church. I say you to, to you, love your enemy. Now we're in the supernatural territory. Bless the one who curses you. Do something. Do something. Everybody say, do something. Yes. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very one who persecutes you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. Woo! Yeah. Now we're walking our water. He is kind to all. By bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh. Whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward have you? What reward do you deserve? If you only love the lovable. Don't even tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that? Since you are children of a perfect Father in heaven, become perfect like Him. Now, we don't all do this perfectly, which is why I don't have a Jesus bumper sticker on my car, by the way. not going to do it. Yeah. There are certain areas of behavior I know that I haven't yet gotten to the place where I can reflect Jesus well. So I hide certain areas like on the freeway. I think I remember one time I got a parking ticket and the lady's giving me a ticket. I got so mad. I kicked my bumper and I kicked my Jesus bumper sticker. That actually happened. And she said to me, well, I'm glad you don't go to my church. And I said to her, I should be the one you are asking to come to your church because I obviously need it. She goes, oh, that's a good point. And she gave me a ticket. All right. All right, here's some real practicals, and we're going to close, and we're going to come to the Holy Spirit, and we're going to ask Him to do some surgery this morning. Close the doors. Don't let anybody leave. All right, here we go. How do, you, how do we honor one another? How do we create this culture of honor? What, how, do we, how do our actions communicate that we are building each other up, not each, tearing each other down? The Bible says that husbands are to give honor to your wife. That means you can actually give honor to one another. Give honor to your wife by living with her with, okay, it's going to be supernatural, guys. Hang in there. Just hold on to your chair tight. Here it comes. Live with your wife with understanding. Ron was married for like 50 years. He says, it takes a while. (laughs) How long does it take, Ron? Ron? All right, okay. A year 31, you guys. Keep going. All right. I just celebrated our 26th this week. I've got how many here? How many? No. Okay. Wives, what about you? Respect your husbands. Let me tell you how to do this, ladies. I'm going to give you a secret right now that I'm going to tell you. You should double tithe after I tell you this because this is. I'm telling you how to get your husband to do whatever you want. How many of you ladies would like to be able to get your husband to do whatever you want him to do? Come on. Oh, don't, act, don't look so smug. Come on. Okay. How many of you ladies would like to get your husband to do one thing that you would like him to do? Something. Okay. There we go. I All right. Here we go. Okay. Tell him something that he does well every single day. Okay. Here we go. Children. With children to honor them. I'm going to tell you a little simple thing to honor children. When you talk to them, get down into their eye level. It's a simple thing. But doing this, right, makes them feel small. Now You can't do that every time you see a child. You're not going to live life on your knees. However, think about it. Get down to their level. It, it's, you're giving them honor. We're, you know, I'm with you in this. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Hey, the Bible says to give pastors, oh, I'm sorry, this is... I, I, I didn't put this in here. To give your pastors double honor. Oh, okay. Okay. Employees, work hard. Work. Be the hardest worker at work. Work as though your boss is Jesus. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Don't just do enough to get by. Be the best employee at that place. You're representing the Lord. Employers, treat your employees fairly. The Bible says all these have scriptures. Treat them fairly. Companies that put their employees first are prospering. Nobody wants to go to work when they're treated like junk. They're hurting. James and John. I have to think hard now with you guys. James and John both say that if you see somebody that's hurting and in need and you don't give them, you just pray for them and bless them, but you don't give them anything, the love of God is not in you. And then those who fall into sin... The Bible says that we are to help restore them, not judge them. Church members, it says do good to all, do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. Because you and I are the light of the world. All right, now let's come to the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself this question. I just want you to, <clears throat> and as the band is coming up, I'm going to ask you guys to do the same thing. You guys don't get off scot-free just because you're, you're, you're on an instrument. You can't hide from the Holy Spirit. He's over here too. Here he comes. All right. get Josh. Everybody, <laughs> do you want to be a God mirror? Ask yourself that question. You've got got to say yes to this question or the rest of this exercise isn't going to do you any good. Do you want to be a reflection of God to others in the earth? Do you want to be an encourager or a discourager? Do you want to be one that builds people up or tears people down? Now just close your eyes and think about this. I'm going to ask you to really go there. Do you want to be a mirror for people when they look in it and they hate themselves? You tell them why they should love themselves. You tell them, what you see in them, not flattery, but you really see more than they see in themselves. Ask yourself that question. If your answer is yes, then I'm asking you to do three exercises with your eyes closed, those up here in the band, if you'll do this as well, because we're all part of this house. This is our house. We determine whether it's a culture of honor or not. First, confess to the Lord your prejudices. Don't pretend like you don't have them. Just come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. I I have prejudice against certain individuals, people groups. And any prejudices I have that are causing me to see and view people in the way that that you don't see them the way I see them. I'm asking you to adjust my sight. Ask the Lord that right now. Lord, adjust my sight. Tell him, I want to see people, all people, the way you see them. This is a Holy Spirit operation, so you really need to ask him to do this. Now I want to ask you to think of one person or a people group in specific that you see in a negative light. You can ask the Holy Spirit to help you with this. Lord, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, for those here and those online, bring up into the minds of the people that are listening to the sound of my voice right now. Bring up a person or people group that you see in a negative light. Keep your eyes closed. If you feel you've got somebody or a people group, raise your hand. Okay? Okay? Anybody in the band here? You see somebody? People group? that You despise? You don't think well of? Okay. Now ask the Holy Spirit this question. How do you see them? Okay, now. Tell me what you saw. Tell me, tell me what the Lord may have said to you. Just say it out loud. How does, Mary, how does he see them? Lost? Confused? Yeah, the people group that's in your mind. Yeah, we know who they are. Okay. I'm kidding. Somebody else. Huh? With You see them. God sees them without Him. So good. Somebody else. A person or a people group that you have seen in a negative light. What did God just say to you about how He sees them? Raise your hand. Raise your hand and talk to me. Yes. Insecure. Insecure. So good. Okay. Let's, go, let's do another exercise. Go ahead and close your eyes again. If you're willing right now before God and by the conviction, I pray, of the Holy Spirit, will you commit to not using your tongue to speak negatively about anybody else ever again? And if it starts to come out of your mouth, gossip about anybody. Even if it's true. If it's negative, it feels good to share juicy, negative stuff about other people. And then other people's flesh gets aroused. Like, oh yeah, let's talk about that person. And you're destroying them. You're tearing them down. God's not doing that. Make a commitment right now. I'm not going to use my tongue to tear other human beings, beings down anymore. Come on, this is between you and the Lord. Make that commitment. Okay, now ask. Okay, now ask the Holy Spirit what are you saying about that person or that people group? What are you saying about them? Just see what the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind. Okay, who got something? Raise your hand. Yes. You didn't raise your hand, Christina? Okay, over here. Pray for He You know the Bible says Jesus is praying right now? That's the Lord. Pray for them. That's what He said to do in the scriptures too, right? Pray for those. Somebody else. He cries over the lost. Somebody else. They're still my children. He's forgiving them. They're no better or worse than you are. Oh, now the Holy Spirit's talking. Yeah. Let's all stand. Do you know how the Bible says that you and I one of the ways that you and I would be identified as God's people? It says, "Do not do not exchange evil for evil, but overcome evil with good." We have developed a culture now that is hyper easily offended. The way you looked at me, the way you spoke to me, what you did to me, what you didn't do for me. And so we're like offense magnets. It's the destruction of the human race. The Bible says that love overlooks an offense. That it's the glory of a man to overlook an offense. The Bible says that we are to overcome evil with good. Be bigger than the offense. Don't let somebody's negative behavior identify you or change you. Continue to be the light of the world with the way you see people, the way you speak to people and how you treat people in his holy name. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen? amen. Let's worship. And then we'll have. If you if you would like prayer over this, as the worship teams begin to worship, if you'd like prayer over these areas, or if you need prayer for anything, healing in your physical body. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. And today is the day you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe. You're backslidden. Maybe you used to be close to the Lord, but you've distanced yourself. You can come on up here and say, I'm going to have a fresh start with Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, he is ready to give you a fresh start. So if you need prayer, prayer teams, please come up. If you need prayer, please slide up front. The pre-service prayer teams, man, that room was rocking the day, believing for miracles. So if you need a miracle, get yourself up here and get prayed for. And Kobe, you have a word, and then we're going to worship, and then we're going to go, when then we're out.
2: Hello. I just feel God was saying, like, if you want to be uh, a reflection of, you want to be the God mirror, you need to understand a good place to start is what kind of mirror you are now. And I feel like there's a lot of different types of mirrors, but I feel like there's two categories that you can break it down to. Uh, Brutally honest or you... You know, you let people bygones be bygones. You care about the relationship, so you're not gonna say anything, you know, into their life. And I feel like I'm on that side. Like I really care about the relationship, so I let people um, do what they want with their own devices. But I feel like God hasn't called us to just start calling people out when we see when when we see them. And also I don't feel like he's called us to stand by and just watch. When you when you read about Jesus and how he lived his life, he walked he had a perfect balance. He prioritized the relationship, but he was able to speak into their lives. Mm-hmm. So look, look at how you perceive things and where are you on that scale? Are you, are you calling people out, just being brutally honest because you know, they're doing something wrong? You have a discernment and you can see it? Or it's like, oh, I, I really care about a relationship. I don't want to um, offend them and, and lose all of that. But that doesn't stop him from speaking, in t- speaking truth. Into our life. So, if we want to be Christ-like, we have to learn how to balance that.
0: That's good. Yeah. Amen. Good work, Hobie. All right. Yeah. Love it. Amen. Come on, let's worship Him. Let's let's go back to worship. If you need prayer? Please come up front. If you want to give your life to the Lord? Come up front. You want to come back to the Lord? Come up front. You need a miracle? Come on up front and get prayed for today.
1: You surround me with a song of
2: place. If you need prayer, come on down to the front. We are also packing Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes in Sunset Heights, so we will see you down there. Amen.
0: Hey, hey Josh. Josh, did you mention OC